Welcome to episode 390 of the Doctor Day, a Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Hello. Today, we're talking about the first episode of City of Death. <laughs> we see a uh, very barren, dry, cracked ground alien landscape with some spires and background rock formations. And then we pan onto a round black spaceship with like spidery kind of legs and it's on the ground and we go inside and there is a alien creature who has one big eye and green um, squiggly skin um, and is doing readings and um, there's radio talk of that attempting to take off in the ship. Um, the as it tries to take off, there are seem to be issues with the takeoff and, and with the ship and it kind of sucks in and out of time and space or something and there's a crash imminent. There are ship, um, there are um, voices crying out to this creature, one is called the um, Scaroth. Scaroth, help us, help us, help the Jaggeroth. Jaggeroth is the, the race and things come to a higher pitch and there are problems with the ship and the ship explodes. On Earth, the Doctor and Amana have arrived in Paris and they're in the Eiffel Tower and um, talking about how lovely the city is and how lovely everything is there and um, then they ride the train and they head off to lunch so they're sightseeing around Paris uh, in 1979 they're talking about it, comparing it to a wine. They said, well, it's kind of more like table wine. <laughs> that is not very vintage, I guess. We see in the streets of Paris, uh, there's a old house with kind of a creepy door knockers and um, ornate carvings on it inside. Um, and down in a basement lab, we meet Count Scarleone um, and his lab rat, kind of, is uh, uh, Professor Kerensky, and they're talking about the finances of this research that they're doing, and that the work is so important that, you know, we need the money to, to do this, and um, Kerensky is a, have a German accent? Him or a Russian accent? I, Kerensky sounds Russian. Yeah, I'm not sure what his nationality is supposed yeah. to be. Um, and then Scardone says he'll, he'll deal with it. He calls over another one of his um, staff, Herman, and tells him that we better sell another Gutenberg and uh, that Gainsborough didn't fetch near enough. So he's solving his money problems by apparently selling yet another priceless piece of art or history. And in this case, it's a Gutenberg Bible. Herman warns about, you know, doing this uh, another so soon, I think. 
the doctor tells Romana as they're sitting in the cafe, um, he says, don't move, don't look. Um, she says, why? He says, well, they're, they're making a sketch of you. And he points out an, an artist across the cafe sketching away on a pad. And she's curious, so she turns and knocks over a cup and um, ruins the sketch because his, his uh, pose has been broken. Um, so he picks it, he gets up and throws the crunches of paper and throws it on the floor. And there's a weird noise and tinkling sound and shifting type uh, situation and then the scene repeats itself and the doctor again tells her not to move and she does she breaks the, the, the pose and ruins the sketch and the artist throws the paper down and walks out this time they pick up the paper and he looks at it and says, oh well I did capture a likeness of you as a time lady and you look and you see it's a, it's a drawing of her hair and her hat she's wearing with the, in, instead of her face, it's a clock face. And she's, well, I wonder why it's broken. It's like maybe for the cracks in time. And then the, um, the doctor and she talk about this crack in time or this time shift, this repeat that they've, they've noticed and that they've felt. Scarleone and Kerensky is, are performing one of their experiments and Scarleone wants to do an, yet another. She says, well, no, we have to rest. And Something about the experiment was not good enough for him. Dr. Romana um, are sitting in another cafe outside and talking about how they, op they exist in a stream kind of outside of normal time and so they're noticing the time cracks or the time shifts and no one else has. Um, the, uh, they're looking at the sketch a little bit more and she says she's not impressed with by the artists and there are computers that can draw better than that and so the doctor scoffs at this and says I'll show you real art and he takes her to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa of course get in front of the Mona Lisa and they're looking at it and she says well why doesn't she have any eyebrows and that's the only thing Romana notices about the painting and so the doctor says you, that's the only thing you have to say about this priceless painting they, we notice that there's a man in a trench coat who seems to be watching them, noticing them Dr. Romana experienced another time shift as one of the docents um, comes by and asks them to move along so other people can see the painting. So the time shifts and uh, the, that part repeats itself. The doctor in dealing with the, the shifting time collapses and he falls into um, a lady who's sitting on the bench. And then the man in the trench coat comes over to check on him and the doctor notes that the man had a gun. You could tell through his coat or as he was helping him up. The lady that had been fallen on has gotten up and is looking around, kind of casting glances around to see if, like, the coast is clear. And 
some way. Anyway, she's she's very interested in what's going on. <clears throat> uh, Count Scorione says that Kerensky has to, to vastly increase the time span of their experiment. This is um, it's, it's just not good enough. Doctor and Amana um, are strolling around Paris, uh, walking here and there. We see um, various angles and shots, and we see that um, the the man in the trench coat, a detective of some type, apparently, is following them. So they, they stop and uh, talk, and she says, well, do you know we're being followed? Says, yes, says, well, I know we've been followed for some time, ever since um, the Louvre. Actually, you've been watching us before then. Probably has something to do with what's in your pocket. So she checks her pocket, and it's the... <clears throat> It's a bracelet from the lady who he had fallen them, uh, into. And she says, well, why did you take this bracelet? She says, well, look more closely. It's not just a bracelet. And she looks at it and sees that it's really a device of a, a highly technical device, much more advanced than the civilization they're in, of a security scanner to detect all the security in place at the Louvre. This detective catches him up and uh, has a gun on the doctor and tells them to go into the cafe. Back at Count Scorionis, the uh, countess, we find out, uh, relates to the count what happened to her at the Louvre. Um, how uh, there was this detective who was seen to be watching her, and then there was this man and a woman who were acting kind of strangely and the detective was interested in them as well and then he collapsed and fell into her and then her um, nose to her bracelet was gone and Scarioni gets is only interested and upset when she tells that her bracelet is gone um, she says oh don't worry the matter will be is being taken care of so at the cafe there are two thugs with uh, black suits and hats with guns and they're holding up the doctor, Romana, and uh, the detective, uh, and they take the bracelet back from the doctor. The detective, Duggan, says that he thinks that the doctor hired these men to steal the bracelet from him, and then he'd just go get it back. And the doctor says, what? That's crazy. The doctor um, and Duggan discuss Count Scorleone and says, you don't know who he is? No, everybody knows who Count Scorleone is. So we just landed here. He says, oh, you're crazy. And he gets up to leave and Dutch says, what, crazy enough to steal the Mona Lisa? So Dugan sits back down. Or Duggan sits back down. And he says, oh, know somebody who's trying to. And the Count has the bracelet back, and then he tells Herman, Herman to um, take care of the thugs. They did a fine job, but not good enough, and he wants them to go, he, him to kill him. And then he also says he wants to meet this Dr. Nirmana, doctor, this man and woman that the Countess spoke of. 
so the count tells the countess to tell Herman herself that to bring them to him. Dugan Dugan tells uh, the doctor even more of a recent uh, furor in the art world of fakes being flooded into the market, but yet the fakes, the forgeries um, seem to check out as real, but they're really not. And they, they know the camp's involved, but they can't connect him to anything, they can't prove anything, and that's the situation that he's in as a detective. The thugs that had come to get the bracelet um, apparently escaped being killed for the moment and come back to uh, take the doctor and Romana and Doug and Dugan. The, the countess um, has her bracelet back, um, calls in Herman and asks where the count is and he says, oh, he's in his lab. Oh, would that Kerensky probably No, Professor Kerensky is in his quarters resting. Just, oh, great. And so she heads down to the lab to um, have some time with the Count, uh, to talk with him, and she raps in the door. We see that he's inside alone looking in a mirror. Um, as she knocks on the door, he doesn't answer, but he touches his face with his hands, and then slowly the camera shifts from behind to the side, and he takes the mask off, and we see that he is the Jaggeroth we saw in the beginning called Skyroth in the end time. I, I know we'll get back to the uh, cliffhanger. Yeah. So, um. But it, it has its problems. Yeah. Just yeah. say that now. Yeah. Much as I, I like things about the story that we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the first one that I saw just like halfway through picked up like halfway through flipping through the channels and I was just hooked from that point on. Um, so it has a soft spot for me in that way is that it was the first ever episode I ever saw ever um, but boy they do a lot of walking around yeah they do <laughs> uh, in its defense so we get a lot of the interaction between Tom ba well Tom Baker's doctor and Lala Ward's Romana True. They're having a, a you know, a, a holiday day in well, Paris. Well, but more than so that, this is really the first chance we've gotten to see them interacting when they're not in the middle of danger. Yeah, they've not become part of any intrigue. situation yet. Huh? Yeah, any intrigue. No intrigue. No. At, the, at the beginning there, no. Um so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a day out for the Doctor and Romana. Um, yep. Away from anything drawing their attention and uh, requiring their, their special Gallifreyan skills. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that their day out bits are actually some of my favorite Fourth Doctor stuff in a lot of ways, just because I love the way they interact and the, I don't want to call it stream of consciousness, but <laughs> the almost non sequitur way that one of them would answer the other mm -hmm. and when they're atop the Eiffel Tower and the doctor says, asks her if she wants to go down, down for lunch and so she, she says, well, do we walk or do we fly? Oh, yeah. And he says, well... Be unobtrusive. We should, yeah, we should stay unobtrusive. And she says, well, so we'll fly then. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks good. It, um, you can tell that the, they enjoy each other yeah. at this point. Which is so, a little different than the first Romana. Mm -hmm. For one thing, mm -hmm. a lot different from the first Romana. Yeah. Um, so I can I can understand that it serves a purpose, but um, had it been any other, almost any other episode, um, doing too much of that would serve no purpose, except sure. for killing time. But I can see how some you know. We do need some of it. But I think they did it so well that it makes up for it. And then they um, they had to have enough evidence to show how Duggan was always behind them. So they did have to have some, the scenes where they're like leading him around Paris, essentially. Um, and leading him around in a circle because they end up at the same cafe that they started in for lunch. Yeah. When he catches I, up with them. Some of that is a little overdone. But I still enjoyed it. Um, so that would really be the only thing I nitpick about. Would be that maybe there was a little bit too much of that. But yeah. Yeah, I was saying. But yeah, the, some of the they tried to make some of it interesting as to how they filmed. There was a lot of filming through racks as they're showing Duggan following them or filming around corners and then you see the Dutch and Romana pass and then like through around the corner of a pillar or something oh mm -hmm. there's Duggan coming up behind you yeah know. so they tried to mix it up a little bit maybe that's why it works so much better it could be just the differences in filming so um and then uh, I noticed that the doctor has a, I don't think he's had it before. Or if he did, I didn't notice what it was. But his he has a pin on his lapel, which is an um, um, artist palette instead of paint tubes. I think it's different in every episode. Because yeah. that's so, not what it was last time. Okay. And I couldn't figure out what it was this time. I didn't get a good enough look at it. Yeah, it is hard to see at first glance. And I realized, oh yeah, it's a palette. That's the same. Um, I think I remember noticing that um, when I first saw it, um, and it's fitting because they're dealing about art, mm -hmm. art, art, which is again another reason why I like this so much and that drew me in. When I did start watching it, it's like, oh, that's an artist studio. Hey, yeah. what is that? <laughs> 
And then uh, she's wearing, uh, correct, I might be wrong, but because I, I didn't watch this cartoon, but the Madeline cartoon. Mm. And she wears it like this little French school schoolgirl outfit, the yep. black or the navy skirt yep. and jacket and little thin tie and the round straw hat. Yeah, I'm actually surprised they didn't mention that in the line in the production though. Yeah, which is what uh, Ramona is wearing. So that's. I mean, I picked it up and I didn't even watch that cartoon. I just seen a couple little or read the books. Mm -hmm. I just a couple little glimpses of it before. Unless we're both wrong. It could, could be. But that's, I seem to remember at least seeing a couple of uh, book covers, I thought. A little red-headed girl with a, the round hat and blue. Uh, there was a couple funny things. One thing is when, the, when they're talking about uh, stealing the Mona Lisa or that they'll get that when the doctor tells Ramon, I think, about how the Countess was very interested in painting and scanning the security, and he thinks that, you know, she is probably maybe trying, going to plan a theft, and says, but it's just a painting. She says, well, it's a very pretty painting. And then she says something else, and says, it is a very pretty painting. <laughs> says it three times, I yeah. think, within the, the conversation there. It just made me laugh. It's a very pretty painting. What was not pretty was the um, Jagoroth form that we we see right away. I'd forgotten that we see that right away to start the the story. Yep. Um, I was calling it a, like a green, one-eyed walrus-type face. Um, but you said it's like a big spaghetti monster, one-eyed spaghetti monster, which I said, well, it would have to be pesto then. Pesto pasta, a one-eyed pesto pasta monster. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's fine for a for a different-looking alien, mm -hmm. really. Um, but I had forgotten that we started off seeing this this kind of strange alien person. Anything else? What did you think of uh, Julian Glover as this Count Scarleone? Oh, I should just Scarlo go ahead and mention oh. right now that that's that's who it is. Um, I think he he does a fine job. Um, he was. Let's see what else was he? He was also in. Do you remember, or do you want me to tell you? No, I think I remember. He was um, in the. Uh, Reign of Terror, right? Mm. That's not where I thought you were going. Oh, I was going back first. Backwards to the first Doctor. Um, he was uh, one of the officials, wasn't he? Was that what it was? I think he was. I, well, you were probably thinking of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well. No? You're close. Oh. It's actually Last Crusade. Was it Last Crusade? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. I was thinking of the first one, but yeah, okay. Fourth, the third one. Um, 
He was actually Richard the Lionheart in the Crusade. That's what I was thinking it was. Oh, his Crusade. Okay, it was one of those. I knew it was one of the first doctors that was a historical one that we didn't have full video of. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure we didn't have full video yeah, no. of that. Yeah, we had still pictures, I think, of that one. So, the Reign of Terror, we had the animated one. So, and Last Crusade, yes. Probably other things, too, but those are the, the ones I usually Oh, yeah, of. he was the uh, ADAT commander in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a lot of things. And I love him in every one of them. He he lends a certain style to the to the roles, whatever role he plays. A uh, sinister quality. Mm-hmm. Do you think? But he... very. Um, I'll use the word suave, but that's not really what refined. I mean. Refined. Refined, maybe. Yeah. He's kind of at the the um, trappings of like the um, master criminal in in the vein of um, I just totally forgot his name David Niven mm. like from the yeah, Pink Panther yeah, movies kind of. you know the affluent criminal. Yeah. Yeah, we find him. I was going to say, do you think he drives a Jaguar? That <laughs> uh, stupid ad, too. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Okay. But I'm not daddy or British, so, but hey, I'd still drive one. Um, yeah, he, he does have that quality, too. So he does re uh, really well with this, uh, you know, affluent count. Garleone, who's, um, there's something sinister about, and we don't really know what. He, he's obviously dealing in forgeries or something of, of some magnitude um, that we don't know the whole picture of. Yeah. And he's employed these, um, this heavy called the Herman to do his bidding and contract out to these little local thugs who accosted the doctor now a couple times um, so shady but classy I guess mm -hmm. he's very good at, at that role at that type of role as you said and he does really well fitting that into this um, science fiction which is where you wouldn't expect to see it but it really does well Yes, whenever we've seen him in anything else, say, oh, it's the Jaguar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not Julian Glover. It's the Jaguar. <laughs> Any else? A good first episode, yeah. I think. No, I, it's an excellent first episode. I, I, this is one of my favorite serials. I think I don't think there's a slow part in it, if I remember correctly. 
Not really. No. And it's really the first, like I said, the first one where you see the forming, the relationship forming between the doctor and this Romana. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting to watch. Yeah. Especially given their off-screen entanglements. Well, I, th- I think that you started to see some of that relationship begin in Armageddon Factor. Oh, no, you do. But you get to see more of it in more of a, um, like a non-work setting, almost. Well, it, and like I started to say earlier, the, with the first Romana, it was more of a teacher-student relationship, where now she's sort of graduated to become... Apprentice? If not his equal then maybe his apprentice but they're certainly on closer footing than they were before mm-hmm. and a lot of that's probably the shared experience that they've had yeah now. it could be but it's I think it's fun to watch the two of them interacting I just think both of them are so funny mm-hmm Sure. It was terrible watching them pull a mask off of a mask on a dummy. And and nearly pull the nearly mask pulled both off, masks yeah, off. off of both. Like, Oops, Jaggeroth mask a little wobbly there. Mostly not. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. But otherwise it was sort of an interesting ending I don't think it's a surprise that he is who he is no I don't think so um given that we'd had no real reference to the opening bit until that point true because we see the ship explode we see the ship explode we don't know why we see that scene no no and then we know that Scarleone gave alien technology to the woman to scan the right but outside of that that's well, yeah. the only thing that tells us that there's an alien in there somewhere well he's working with Kerensky to do some time experiments sure but th- yeah that, that looks anything. kind of otherworldly a little bit yeah but but really, we had it, time experiments before yeah. that didn't involve aliens yeah it didn't necessarily have to involve aliens but Romana you know, says, oh, this technology is way more advanced than this type, this something class. Uh, class lineup. 5, I believe she said. Class 5. That is the, the term we're used to for talking about Earth. Or M-class. M- M-class Star planet. Trek. Yes. Um, yeah, so there's that. There's the fact that the name of the b- alien we see in the beginning was Scaroff and Scarleone. Right. No, there's so, there's some obvious. You could pick it out if you if yeah. you really want to uh, go back. And say, oh, but you yeah. could also think, well, that's a little obvious. That can't be what it is. Yeah. And then it turns out it is what it is. Or just you know, hearing the the full name, just you just don't focus on the scar part. You know. Yeah make the connection so it is a pretty uh, 
nice surprise, I think. It's not one that, like you said, it's not completely obvious that that's what he's going to be. Right. Um, it's just unfortunate they did that with the fake heads. <laughs> with the masks. Otherwise, uh, the, all of their, the, most of their set work and the prop work looked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, An extensive uh, on-site filming to location shooting. Yeah. And then the, the little bit in the cafe was okay because she tips over her cup and it's, you know, kind of plasticky. Well, but, it's, but it's, it's... It found it was actually a bottle. Was it a bottle? Yeah. So, yeah, that was minor, though. Um, but the, you know, the little... The uh, techno bracelet was kind of an interesting design, like a strips of, of bluish green kind of just wrapped around as a, as a cuff type thing. It was a, kind of a nice uh, little design for that. Mm-hmm. There was a futuristic looking um, like ray guns almost pointed in for the little stand for the experiments and the banks of um, switches and dials and computer wheels and everything in the basement lab that's pretty, you know, set up pretty well for that. Uh, so it looks, looks just fine. There's a kind of opulent house, manor house that they live in as count and countess. Um, so yeah, otherwise, other than that little mask problem, uh, the other things look uh, really nicely done. And even uh, when you see the close-up of the, of the Jagaroth head, um, it's not, it's done pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the one big green eyeball has like, you know, and the edges around it, you know, but that but it makes it look creepier. Yeah. And, you know, ooey. <laughs> I'm sure they meant it to be that way. It's not just that's just how they glued in the eyeball. Yeah. It looks like they, they intended to be have this kind of weird edge, you know, edge of crusty around the edge or something, you know. Uh, so I think it was actually pretty well done. So, pretty good. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how we continue the story. All Looking right. Looking forward to the, the one spot where I know I started watching. I have to get to it. Maybe next time. Okay. I'm interested to hear where that start place <laughs> is. All right. Maybe we'll find out what that is on Monday when we talk about episode two of City of Death. Join us then, and thanks for listening.